Hey, it's Michael, and this is the Kintsugi Podcast. I'll be back in a minute with today's conversation about resilience. But first, if you're interested in creating a better life, having a better career, please visit kintsugipodcast.com and grab your free workbook on how to have a better life. In it, you'll discover tips and routines so you can find the energy for the things and the people who matter most so you can create a better tomorrow and create the life and career you desire. Hey everyone, I'm recording this two days after George Floyd's memorial service. You know, the last three months here in the States, really across the world, hasn't been easy. We've learned a lot about ourselves, we've learned a lot about our society, and in particular, it's been pretty rough for our Black communities here in the United States. And I know not everyone agrees with this, but I believe COVID, like my last bad day accident, is happening for us, not to us. It's shining a light on our fissures, our scars, the inequity in our country that we tolerate. It's giving us a moment to write a new script. That's what having your last bad day is all about. Because the one we've been using for so long isn't working well enough for all of us. This past week has been a week of reflection for me. I didn't post a conversation about resilience last week because I wanted to give other voices space. I wanted to listen, I wanted to learn, and reflect on how I was showing up for our Black community, my friends of color. And as I shared in other posts on Facebook or LinkedIn, if you happen to follow me there, I have committed to doing better. And I regret that I haven't done enough or more in the past. And today I want to share my perspective with you on two things. It's not political. It's purely human. For me, it's what it means to be in a diverse peloton. And I'm not sharing this to judge anyone or place blame or spark shame or guilt. We got a whole bunch of that, more than we need, in our communities, on the internet. And plus, I'm perfectly imperfect, just like you. The spirit of Kintsugi art, the Kintsugi podcast. But I share in hopes that it will help you shift, or perhaps it will help you help someone else shift their perspective on something. And you may not agree with what I'm about to say. And if that's the case, reach out. We're still good. We can have a conversation about it. We can talk. I think we need to have more conversation at this moment in time. So online, there's a lot of back and forth about Black, Blue, and All Lives Matter. To me, Black Lives Matter, full stop. But this past week, so many people, when I've mentioned that, have played back or added, but Michael, all lives matter. And this is what I shared with them, this analogy. And if you're a parent, I think you'll understand. Let's say you have two children. You love them both. But one is hurting. Something happened at school. Perhaps, like me, they fell off their bike. Whatever it is, it's going to leave a mark. It's going to leave a scar. Now, we know this in our Kintsugi podcast, scars create our beautiful. We want to embrace them. We want to love them. But in that moment, they are hurting and all they want from you as a parent, as mom or dad, is to help them feel better. And you do because you love your kid. But your other child sees that you're pouring all your love towards her or his sibling. And in that moment, they don't like it. 
So they start acting up to get your attention as kids do. And you start to feel annoyed because you're trying to comfort your child who is hurting, but your other child is acting up and their acting up is getting worse and worse. It continues. And as it continues, you get more and more frustrated and you wonder why they can't see that their brother or sister is hurting right now and needs your attention. You want to say to them, but you don't because you're a loving parent. How did you become such a jealous, insecure brat? But again, you don't say that because you're a good parent. But you may wonder, who raised this kid? And then you realize, you did. So for the last 400 years, Black lives have been hurting the whole time. And we may say here in the States, we we love all our kids the same, that all lives matter, but we don't act as if we do. As soon as we give our attention and care to our children or our child who is hurting, all lives matter starts to get jealous. And then we turn away, we turn our attention away from the child who is hurting, the Black communities. And because of these actions, because of these steps that we take, we further the script, we further the story that white lives matter more, which is not the case. It's not true that perhaps all lives matter, but they don't necessarily matter the same. That's the message that we send when we can't stay with it and focus on Black Lives Matters now. Now, through this whole process, I hope, gosh, I hope for a whole bunch, but I hope we can develop more self-compassion because I think this is a self-compassion issue. There are many causes to this issue or symptoms, but one is self-compassion. And understand that when folks are hurting and we shift our focus to them, to provide love and nurture and care and try to make things better. It doesn't mean we love anyone else less. It doesn't mean that anyone else matters less. For example, when New York City was hurting from 9-11, Dallas didn't say, hey, we need some attention too. When it was Boston strong after the Boston Marathon explosion, London didn't say, hey, we're strong too. When we grieve for those lost at Sandy Hook in Parkland here in the States, other schools didn't shout, other communities didn't shout, hey, you're forgetting about us. No, what we did is that we placed all of our attention on those communities, 100%. We gave them love and support and nurturing. Well, right now, it's time to focus on our Black communities here in the States because they have been hurting for far too long. And if we don't, if we shift our attention back to All Lives Matter in this moment, then we're just making it about us. And that is part of the problem. Ben Franklin, in the States, you may know him. I think across the world, if you're listening across the world, you might know him. Once said, justice will not be served until those who are unaffected are as outraged as those who are. And boy, do we have a long way to go here in the United States. Now, there are protests, and those protests feel different to me than, say, past protests. The makeup of the participants is certainly different. Different ages, different race, different background. So I'm optimistic that this moment in time is a different moment in time. But Ben Franklin's words remind me of how I, well, how I view privilege, which is 
Privilege is when I think something is not a problem because it's not a problem for me because it's all good for me. I grew up, some of you know, in upstate New York, in a white suburb, a white bubble, Caucasian bubble. The inner city of Rochester was a scary, dark place. My high school had 432 kids. And we only had four students of color. And when I compared myself to those 400 kids, I didn't think I was privileged. I saw the rich kids as having more than I did, more than this middle-class kid who shopped at outlet malls, Sears here in the States. I wore knockoff pony sneakers as other kids were wearing Nikes or Adidas. I didn't have much. We were motel kids, not hotel kids. But over time, I realized I won the birth lottery. Through no doing of my own, I got lucky to be born where I was born. To use an American football analogy, I was born in the red zone. Now, we didn't call it the red zone back then. The red zone, that's the 20 yards right before you're about to score a touchdown. Now, I didn't think I was born in the red zone growing up. My script was folks had it easier than I did. And besides music, sports, and movies, I didn't know much about Black culture. And all those stars in those industries looked like they had more than I did. They looked more privileged than I did. Heck, back then, growing up, I didn't know anything about privilege. I didn't even know how to spell privilege. My script or story back then is I had to pull myself up by the bootstraps, and that was all part of the meritocracy myth that we tell ourselves. Through that lens, I thought everyone else had it easier. But then I started to look around, and I realized, yes, some of the kids in my hometown were born on the two-yard line. They were privileged, even more so than I was. But I was still privileged. I was still born in the red zone, maybe the 18 or 19th yard line. White women, rather, they were further downfield. And people of color, wow, forget about it. They were pinned near their goal line. And could they score a touchdown from there? Yep. Many did. Many still do. And that furthers the whole Atlas Shrug, personal responsibility, pull yourself up by the bootstraps, meritocracy myth. Because if they can do it, why can't everyone do it? But here's the thing. It's so much easier to score when you're given the ball each and every time in the red zone. The whole system is rigged. Is rigged for those with privilege. But I believe COVID, as I mentioned just a minute or two ago, is happening for us so we can build a new system that doesn't make us feel like we need to compete against each other. I was having a conversation with my friend Paul. He said, we can all be great, which is so true. If we choose to look at life through a lens of abundance as opposed to scarcity, which we often look at life through scarcity, there's not enough to go around, so we have to compete with one another, but there's plenty to go around. We can all be great. We can all score, but we can't all score if the playing field isn't level. It has to be level. It has to have equity and equality to it to give everyone a fair shot to dance in the end zone, if you will. Now. If you've been listening to the Kintsugi Podcast conversations about resilience from the very beginning, first of all, thank you, because this is a new project during COVID. But if you don't, and you don't know my story, my last bad day story isn't about unicorns and rainbows. It's not, hey, everything's happy. I still have bad moments. But that day, July 11, 2001, has been my last bad day. For me, it's the day you decide to write a new script. It's a day 
to open, say, your can of worms and throw out all the old beliefs and unlearn a whole bunch of stuff. And here in the United States, we have to unlearn a whole bunch of stuff and create new beliefs. And COVID has given us this moment to write a new script. When I work in DNI, diversity and inclusion, in terms of advancing female leaders, it's one of the things I'm really passionate about. Well, several years ago, I came across a quote from Sarah Grimke. It goes back to 1837, 28 years before the 13th Amendment here in the United States. And she shared, I ask no favors for my sex. I surrender not our claim to equality. All I ask of our brethren is this, that they will take their feet from off our necks and permit us to stand upright on the ground which God designed us to occupy. And that's what George Floyd wanted, for that officer to take his knee off his neck. So maybe the new script we can write in this moment in time, because if we don't write it now, when will we ever write it? Includes power with instead of the old hierarchy of power over. It leads with love, not fear. Equity and equality rather than rigged systems. Peace rather than violence. Less judgment and more self-compassion. and for all of us to get off of each other's necks so we can breathe, so we can compete fairly, and we can create a better tomorrow for everyone. The road forward for us here in the United States, maybe across the world, is going to be a long, challenging one. And it started with a flurry over the last week, a lot of reflection. And it will take pedal stroke by pedal stroke endurance to realize that we are not enemies. But we are friends with each other. We have more in common than what divides us. Lincoln said that. So as always, thanks for listening to the Kintsugi Podcast, Conversations About Resilience. If you have a question about this conversation or really anything else, you can go to kintsugipodcast.com and leave your question there. And I will do my best to answer it as quickly as possible. And while you're there, you can check out my Paceline Leadership Academy if you want to create a better life, and have a better career. There's really nothing like it for corporate warriors, those in the middle that aspire to be great leaders. They might be in the middle. You might be there yourself, a manager, a director, and you want someone in your corner that you can fully trust. It's confidential, it's objective, and you want a great community. You want something different than what your corporation gives you in terms of development. That's why I built the Paceline Leadership Academy, and I hope you'll check it out. And again, thank you always for listening since this is a new project. I hope you'll share it with someone today that needs to hear this message. I hope you'll subscribe and give a rating and review. And until we talk again next week on our next conversation about resilience, I hope you stay healthy. And of course, I hope you have fun storming the castle day after day after day, because that's how we're going to create the change we wish to see in the world. Talk to you next week.